This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, everybody. This is Bunny Michael and you are listening to episode one hundred of exo higher self yes it is our hundredth episode which is amazing i feel so happy i can't believe we've done a hundred episode plus like 30 something or almost 40 bonus episodes um wow i i just feel so grateful for all of you for everybody that sent in questions i mean that is so many different questions that's so many different people thank you so much everybody who listens to this is grateful for you wow yay this is so cool and you know what's funny is that this 100th episode is the same week as my birthday yeah <laughs> and guess how old i'm turning i'm turning 40 yes i'm turning 40 years old which is a big milestone, I know. And I don't want to like not acknowledge that because it is. But also like this whole year, I've been telling myself I'm 40. So it doesn't feel like a huge change or anything because I've ever, literally everything has been like, I'm 40, I'm 40. I can't do that. I'm 40, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. Half joking, but also like half serious. Like I got to go to bed. I'm 40. Anywho, we don't have any big plans or anything, but this weekend, Kara and I are going to like the Cape Cod area. I've never been there before. We're going to be on the beach, bring the dog, something pretty like chill. I didn't really want to do a huge birthday social thing just because I've been writing the book and the idea of like not having to do anything sounds like the best birthday gift to me. So I'm really looking forward to getting out of town. Oh, also this week, we're going to be doing our second bonus episode as part of the Bunny at Home series. And that is a series of bonus episodes that we're doing now where I am answering questions from home. And also this week, Kara is going to be on the episode, which is pretty exciting and fun and cute. Um, so yes, if you want to watch those we also post the video recordings on our Patreon. So make sure to go to patreon.com forward slash XO higher self. That's coming out on Saturday. Hmm, let me think, is there anything else? Nope, I think that's it as far as like things I wanted to remind you of. Um, 100 episodes, 
let's get it started. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. My question is about a fight I just got into with my partner and a concern that I'm having to compromise my values as a feminist and queer person in our relationship to keep the peace. It's taking a lot of courage to ask because I'm a little nervous for the answer because it will probably push me to action. In short, he gets extremely defensive and projects some internalized misogyny and homophobia into our relationship and onto me. There are multiple power dynamics in the relationship as he is African immigrant and I am white and grew up with class privilege. He has said some pretty unforgivable things to me. At his worst, saying he wouldn't have married me if he knew I was bisexual, which he did apologize, but I have never been able to forget or shake as I don't feel like I can be my most authentic or truthful self in this relationship sometimes. He wants to learn and read over 10 books I gave him, but it still comes out at times. I've been giving him excuses because he has explained how he grew up in a misogynistic and homophobic society and has a lot of LHBs. We talk a lot about racism and colonialism and he, like many people, is very with it on things he has experienced, but has some blind spots in those that he doesn't. I'm having a hard time navigating when these projections come up because I know I don't deserve that, but I also love him a lot and want to believe that LHBs can be unlearned. He just gets so defensive that I feel like I'm compromising my values in the meantime during his learning journey, so to speak. I know his behavior is unacceptable, but I haven't had the courage to leave or do anything about it, and I just don't want to be fighting. He even said once, we just shouldn't talk about gender because it will be a fight. I know I can learn to communicate better to help, but I really don't want to leave this person as I love him, and I do feel like he is my soulmate, but just don't want to keep getting into these fights. He is actively trying to unlearn, but continues to project. Do I give him patience for not yet dealing with all of his LHBs? Do I keep hoping or accept that I will have to continue to deal with this in our relationship and leave as I have already been with this person for two years? And it's very complicated to say the least. Thank you so much for reading this and using your talent and love to help others. Hi, sweetheart. I'm sorry that this situation is really challenging and it's left you feeling overwhelmed and insecure and unsure. I totally understand those feelings. These issues are really serious. They're really deep. They're very complicated. There's a lot going on inside of them. And it's really difficult to kind of get a clear picture of what it is exactly that you need and what it is your partner needs and how to get through this. So I just want to say you're doing an amazing job at being very thoughtful, caring, compassionate, trying to do what the right thing is for both of you involved, understanding that both of you have stuff you need to unlearn. And you just sound like a really, really amazing partner. Whenever somebody asks me if they should stay together with a with their person, I ask them if they're still able to work on themselves within that relationship. Because the issue of the misogyny and the patriarchy and all of that stuff that he's still working to unlearn 
he's not the only one that's still working to unlearn that stuff. You are too, right? You're still working to unlearn your internalized homophobia and and sexism because that's how you are conditioned too. And so whenever he says something with less awareness or speaks from the lens of his LHBs, it's also triggering you. It's also putting you back into that place where you feel like your beliefs could be compromised. And that makes sense because as we grow, as we're on this path of a higher self, it's really difficult to maintain that lens of a higher self. It's really difficult to unlearn this stuff. It's really internalized. And so that's why having partners and environments that support that is so, so important. And this would be the case with any issue. This isn't just about racism or sexism or homophobia or transphobia, which seem to be like the biggest LHBs we have to deal with. We have to deal with a lot of stuff within relationships. It could be emotional healing, communication stuff, fears of being vulnerable, things that are really, really deep and really entrenched in in who we are and what we have to work on in order to be in a partnership. So even though what you're dealing with is like very, very serious on a collective level, every relationship has to deal with some really deep stuff, really difficult stuff. And so when that happens, the most important thing is that both people involved are willing to keep growing, to keep unlearning, to keep communicating, to be sensitive to each other's needs, to try to meet that person in a place of understanding. Because even if your partner is still in the process of unlearning those big issues, and that does take some time, What doesn't take some time is being able to see that even if he can't fully see it from your lens, even if he can't fully understand your experience, what he can understand is that when he says certain things, it's painful to you. It hurts you. It triggers your wounds from your experience. And that's a really important part of the process of us working on our stuff in our relationship because it's going to take time for us to get to a place to understand our other person's experience. But what we can do in the meantime is be sensitive to their experience, is to recognize that certain words or certain topics are really difficult for them, even if we can't relate because we haven't had that similar experience or we haven't grown up in that environment. We can still be sensitive to their pain. And so I think that that's a really important thing for you to try to communicate to your partner is that, okay, you don't feel the same way about this right now as I do, but can you recognize that this hurts me? And can you recognize that when this topic comes up, it's really difficult in a way that it isn't difficult for you. And I'm sure that he knows what that feels like because he's in a partnership with a white person. And there are things that you're just not going to understand about his experience. And there are going to be things that you say that come from your blind spots and your LHBs. And can you recognize his wounds? 
Because even if we're not talking about the collective issue of racism, patriarchy, sexism, what we are talking about is our personal wounds, our personal pain, and knowing how to support each other getting through that and healing that. Because when we are still wounded, we get really easily triggered. We feel uncomfortable in certain situations. And all of that is totally valid. You know, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but (laughs) I just feel like it kind of epitomizes a lot to do in me and my partner's relationship because I grew up without a lot of money. I grew up in an all-white neighborhood and as a Mexican Samoan kid, being like the only brown kid, I experienced a lot of pain because of that and a lot of judgment. And I have a lot of wounds from that. And so those come up in certain situations They that they might not necessarily need to come up if I had if I was totally healed from that, right? So it's not necessarily like always rational. For example, me and Kara got in a fight one time because I really wanted them to like clean our porch, our front porch. They left some stuff, like some yard stuff on the front porch and I got upset. It made me anxious because I feel like people are always judging me and looking at me like a poor Mexican. And so I don't want like our house to look messy because I'm afraid like our white neighbors will think that like I'm a poor Mexican and that's why it looks like that. Right. So in one way, yes, that's absolutely valid. My feelings are absolutely valid. My sensitivities, my triggers, my wounds, my pain, valid, valid, valid. And at the same time, Probably our neighbors aren't thinking that, right? Most likely the neighbors are not judging us for having yard stuff on our porch. But that's not the point. The point is I'm still in the process. I'm still wounded. And Kara, as my partner, can recognize that, can recognize that I have a different experience in them and keep the porch clean, even though they really don't understand or even necessarily agree with the belief that our neighbors are judging us like that, right? They can still be compassionate. They can still care and just meet me there to that place, to my sensitive place. And so as we work on our stuff together, we have to be willing to be compassionate to each other's wounds. And I really hope that your partner understands that about what's going on here, even though he grew up in a different culture. And I also feel like that is part of the equation in a way that might necessarily be conscious in the relationship that his beliefs about gender are very intrinsic in the culture that he comes up, that he grew up in. And so when you're challenging on him on that, it also could trigger his feelings of his difference from you not being respected or his culture not being respected. And so like the racism and the gender thing is so tied up together. So this stuff is like really, really complicated and it's going to take some more communication, more processing 
more understanding and it's not going to just happen in one conversation or in this podcast answer. It's going to take both of you working together on this. And I really think you could benefit from couples therapy in this situation because this stuff is so deep and challenging to talk about. Having an intentional time to talk about that stuff is so important. Having somebody there to mediate the conversation, so important. And I think it could also be very helpful to have a therapist who is a woman of color, because I think that that would be good for both of you to have somebody who can understand both of your positions. So you're in a marriage, right? And marriage is serious commitment to be there for each other, to help each other heal. And a lot of times we need help with that. We need help. Couples need help. Sometimes we can't do it on our own. We need couples therapy. We need somebody to help us. And that's okay. It doesn't mean the relationship is going to fail. It means that you need support. And it means that you care enough about the relationship to get that support. Because until you've exhausted those resources, until you've really tried, you can't really know what the right decision is for you. And I absolutely believe in people's ability to unlearn their LHBs. I mean, if I, even myself, if I think about my beliefs, even from five years ago, and the awareness that I have now, it's like night and day. And I'm sure it's very similar for most of the people listening to this. We all grow at different times. We all have different levels and intensities of LHBs based on the environment we grew up in, our culture, our family, our experiences, our trauma. We all have stuff, but our higher self is who we are beyond that stuff. And that's who you love. And that's why it's so important for y'all to keep talking about this and work on this so that you can be in a relationship with that person, not in a relationship with his LHBs, because that's not what you signed up for. So the therapy and the working on it and having the intentional time is about getting to a place where you can both see each other's higher self and recognize what each other needs in this relationship to keep healing and to keep moving forward and keep growing together, respecting each other's wounds and being willing to unlearn. I feel very optimistic about your situation. I do think both of you can learn so much from each other and help each other heal. And that is why we're in relationship for that healing. Marianne Williamson said once that relationships are like hospitals for the soul. And that really stuck with me because it's so true. But in order to heal, you have to be willing to get into <laughs> the place of healing, right? You got you to gotta be willing to show up. And you deserve a partner that shows up and respects you and loves you. I'm wishing you all the best.
The next question is from an email. Hey, Bunny, I'm having a lot of trouble, and this thought has been pretty much on my mind for my entire life. For as long as I can remember, I have had an attraction to other women. I am a woman. I don't really mind gender when it comes to preferences, but I found that my personality and attraction work well with women when it comes to fully-fledged relationships. I have only been in one serious relationship, and so far, we're about to be together for seven years. We have grown and learned together, overcame a long-distance relationship, spent our entire adult lives together so far, and we speak about our future like we already know that we will have each other in it. Married, with kids, surrounded by our families that like to have us around. Everything with the person I am with is amazing. She is incredibly supportive, and I do not want to grow old with anyone else in the world. I was raised in a Christian Catholic Baptist setting. Everyone in my family was very homophobic. My older sister came out as gay first, and a decade later came out as trans. She has experienced so much hate in her life, so much judgment, and I oftentimes feel for her because I feel like she judges herself just as hard as our parents did. Our parents love us and really try their best to be supportive and to be here for us anyway. But there's this feeling of, I love you in spite of being gay. And I just feel like my sister and I will never be able to fulfill what they wanted from their children. This is something I can live with. I have moved far away, but still contact my family and have boundaries in our relationship. It could be worse. And I am appreciative that my parents at least make their best effort that lies in their capacity. The biggest problem in my life is religion. I want to believe in a higher power, in a God, in myself, something. But I feel like my being gay makes me unworthy of a relationship. I don't know how to navigate spiritually a relationship with something much larger than I am. I have told my parents and my partner about my concerns and they comfort me. My partner is amazing about it because she knows that I love her so much. And this conflicting feeling is about me and my spirituality, not about how I feel about her. She has never had a problem with a relationship with God and her queerness, but this has been something that sits in the pit of my stomach all the time. I want to find this for me, but also for our relationship that I value so much. I want us to be able to raise our kids with confidence that we're doing the right thing and leading our life with love and an honest relationship, but I cannot help but feel like I'm going to hell. Can there be hope for people like me to develop a relationship with ourselves and God without that feeling? I struggle to understand how I can treat myself with so much criticism and judgment, but no one else. I've started praying, asking God to help me align myself, but I do not know what that looks like. I find myself to be envious of people, regardless of their sexual orientation, that follows a religion. I just crave that clarity so deeply. I want to shed my shame and be proud to be public with my girlfriend wherever I go. My girlfriend introduced me to your podcast, and I have retained a lot of value from what you say. Last night, she recommended I contact you. We love your message and who you are to us, and I really hope you can help me. Thank you for reading. Hi, love. I'm so sorry that you're dealing with this feeling that you deserve to go to hell for being queer. And the reason why you still have that feeling inside of you is because it was put in you. Those were 
the beliefs that you were taught by the authority figures in your life. And that is such a hard thing to let go of because it is so fear-mongering as a child. It, it, it elicits so much fear, this idea that being who you are will make you burn in eternal damnation after you die is just obviously a very traumatic thought, a scary thought. And so if that's put into you, especially at a young age, that's going to be really hard to let go of. So I want you to know that just because you're having those thoughts doesn't make them true because we have a lot of thoughts that aren't true. We've been told to believe certain things about ourselves that are not true. And so the process of connecting to our higher self is unlearning that stuff, but it's not easy. And so if this stuff is still coming up, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. And it also doesn't mean that you deserve to be in hell either. Christianity is a beautiful religion when it's used for the purpose of love, but so often it's used as a form of control, as a form of domination, as a form of oppression. And it has a very long history of oppression. I mean, the amount of people who were murdered, tortured, burned at the stake, all for being quote unquote sinners. And even in Europe, in medieval Europe and even when Europeans came to North America and colonized it, and they had these anti-sodomy laws. Sodomy was not just defined as some homosexuality. In fact, the term homosexuality didn't even exist until the 19th century. Sodomy meant any form of sex that wasn't purely for procreation. So masturbation, oral sex, all of that stuff was an abomination. Throughout our history, there has been different groups of people who were targeted by the church as sinners and worthy of capital punishment or told they're going to be going to hell. That arrow, that target for who's going to hell or who's the demon, <laughs> it, it has been a very large group of people, right? over the years. So, you know, Native Americans were supposedly sinners and the devil's people, according to some colonists, because they dressed a certain way or their gender roles were different or they were idle. You know, there's a lot of written documentation of colonizers writing about the idleness of Native Americans, meaning that they were relaxing because so much about Puritan ideology was like work, productivity in order to be in God's good graces. So there's a lot of different reasons why over centuries Christianity has targeted different groups, but it's not actually the religion per se. It's the people who are running it. It's the powers in charge and it's a strategy to stay in power. When you oppress people, it's a way to stay in power because you're telling people they have to be a certain way or else they're gonna go to hell. And so when you have the authority, the so-called authority to determine who goes to hell and who goes to heaven, 
that is such a fear-inducing belief that people are going to listen. And so all of this really is about control. And your relationship to God is not that. Anybody's relationship to God is not limited to the choices of some bigoted, power-hungry, greedy people who have been running religion for a really long time and continue to take advantage of people, to scapegoat people, to hurt people for power. If you look at these, some of these really homophobic evangelical pastors, you know, on the pulpit saying hateful things, that isn't God. I know what it feels like to be in a family where those beliefs are present. You know, when I came out at 15, my parents used Christianity as a reason why I was a sinner and they couldn't approve of me and I left home and it was really sad. It was heartbreaking. One of the biggest traumas I experienced in my life was being a kid and not being accepted by my parents. I still healing that wound. The sad thing is, is that they were told to believe that, you know, they thought they were doing the right thing. And all it did was cause them pain and me pain. And luckily we've been able to mend that. But it's really, really sad that people use God, use God's name in order to make other people feel less than. Because you were created, you. And I like to use the term God in my personal spiritual practice. I know not everybody feels connected to that word and I totally get that. So that's why I don't use it in this podcast or, you know, outside of my, my personal spiritual practice, but I'm going to use it for this question because the question was about God. And from my perspective, we are all God's children, every single one of us. And God created us whole just how we are. And how dare somebody else say that the way God created us isn't valid? How dare they? And when you tell me you're not sure or you haven't had those experiences, I beg to differ because God is love and you love every day. Every day you feel love. Every day you show up with love. And that's what God is, love. And that is the most profound spiritual experience there is. And you tap into that every single day. And it's always been inside of you. This isn't about religion. This isn't about your parents. This isn't about even your relationship. This is about who you really are. You are eternal and you are connected to every living being through that power of love. Even right now, I can 
sense that. I can feel that. Even recording this podcast now and saying these words gives me goosebumps because I can feel that love inside me and I can feel it inside of all of us. And to me, that's what God is. And so as you keep exploring who you are, valuing who you are, loving who you do, there is nothing more pure than that. And that's something that you could be educating other people with. It's funny, we often think, you know, to be spiritual or religious looks a certain way, looks like this preacher in front of a huge congregation saying all of this stuff. But often the most spiritual person in the room is just sitting in the presence of love. That's the most profound spiritual experience. And seeing the higher self in all of us. And it's not their fault, right? It's not necessarily their fault that they're misguided. And they use religion in a way to get some kind of power. Because on a very deep level, they don't realize that they're worthy without that power, without that domination, without that oppression. Ironically, they don't realize that they're also a child of God and they don't need to other other people in order to feel good enough. And so we're all here listening to this podcast and part of this community because we feel a responsibility to ourselves and to our fellow humans to be loving, to be gracious, to be accepting. And that is so beautiful. And to me, that's what spirituality is. It's this connection that is beyond our physical forms. So there are a lot of queer LGBTQ church leaders out there. There are a lot of churches who very much embrace queer people. And if that's something you want to explore, and that could also be very healing to talk to somebody who has authority in that way, very knowledgeable of the Bible and can really show you that actually the Bible does not say that homosexuality is a sin. I also heard this really incredible definition of sin once, and I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here and this answer is pretty long, but I loved it. It was, I think Eckhart Tolle said that, that sin, like the root word, like the Latin word that came from actually meant like an archer missing the mark. So sin literally meaning being off the mark missing the point of life. And so to sin isn't what we think of in the religious, traditionally religious sense where you do something wrong and, and there's something wrong with you for that, or you deserve to be punished for that. It just means being misguided, being on the wrong path, 
and not fully seeing that you deserve better, that you deserve to make choices with the knowledge that you're worthy and deserving. And so much of the times we go astray is when we aren't centered in the truth of who we are, the truth of our wholeness, the truth of the love inside of us. So I encourage you to have a new relationship and explore a new relationship with your spirituality and to also recognize that you've always been there. You've always been a spiritual person. You've always been a loving person. And to also recognize that your ability to be who you are and live authentically and love your partner is also being in alignment with that. You're already there. So all you have to do now is just accept yourself. I'm sending you so much love. Hi, Bunny. Thanks so much for all that you do. I've learned so much about myself and others and just really shifted my perspective in a really positive way um, because of you and your podcast. So thank you very much. Um, my question is work-related, um, and I don't want to get too far into the details because you never know um, who listens to what, but basically the situation is that I manage somebody who is, can be quite reactive um, and defensive and I think doesn't seem like somebody who's frequently you know, in touch with their higher self and I'm I'm struggling to build trust um and in some ways this person is is well suited for the job and in others I'm wondering if if it maybe just isn't the right fit but I want to make sure that I've done everything that I can to try to make it work um, so I'm just wondering if you have any input about how to handle professional relationships, particularly supervisory relationships, where um, the person is, yeah, just isn't really connected to their higher self. Any support would be so great. Thank you. Hi, love. Well, you know, a lot of times I think we're put into situations in our life to learn something deeper about our higher selves and also to grow. And you being the manager or in that leadership position is also in a position to be a really great influence and example of how to be aligned with your higher self in a work environment. Because it's really hard, right, to have that perspective when you're at work, when you are part of the organized hierarchy of work, when you have a boss, I mean, it's really easy to like have a chip on your shoulder, get negative, all of that kind of things, because those situations can be really triggering. And I don't want you to give up on this person without also giving yourself a little more credit in terms of how you're able to demonstrate 
a different way of doing things, how you're able to create an environment that supports everybody's higher self, how you're able to create boundaries that make everybody feel seen and respected, how you're able to facilitate that kind of safe space and that space that brings out the best in everyone. Now, of course, it's not in your control People's behavior isn't always in your control. And you have to do what you have to do when it comes to what's the goal, right? But sometimes we don't realize that there's a deeper reason why we meet people and that everybody is a student and everybody is a teacher. And there are things to learn from people that you might not think there are. And there are ways in which you think you might be aware about some stuff or be more aligned to your higher self about some stuff. And that other person is there to show you another level of awareness of your higher self, right? Because they trigger something in you. I guess I'm just saying that you have a lot of power. And I don't mean power like domination power. I mean the power of love. And we are often, as people who are on this path, put in situations to be representatives of love and to transform our environments. And sometimes we signed up for that and sometimes we just end up in that position and we're like, oh, uh, I got to do this. I got to do the hard thing. I got to be the example And sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes we have to make tough choices too. But I want you to really trust in the power of your higher self. I want you to really trust in your ability to be a leader before you make any big decisions. Do it from a place of strength. I remember when I was in high school and I was talking to some girl in my class Her name was Sarah. And I was like talking about somebody behind their back or gossiping or doing something like that. I don't even remember what I was saying. But I remember she was like, oh, I don't like to talk bad about people behind their back. And at the time I was like, okay, whatever, you know. But it never left me. Because now when I think about it, I'm like, wow, what an angel. (laughs) I mean, She was like a really good example. I had never even heard anybody our age ever say anything like that. Be that sweet or thoughtful or caring about somebody or compassionate about somebody. And it stuck with me now. It's like 20 years later. So we have a lot of power that we don't realize. And that might not always be shown to us in the moment, even though we are making a difference. So you might be making a difference in this person's life already in ways that you don't know. But all I know is that person is really lucky to have you as a manager. Very, very lucky. And that you will only continue to facilitate an environment that brings out the best in everybody as best as you can. And if somebody's violating certain boundaries or causing harm that you will protect the space. So I just want to encourage you to really trust yourself, trust your power, trust your higher self, trust your love, 
and let that be your guide. All the best. And now as a little something special for our 100th episode, I wanted to read a poem to you by Mary Oliver. It's called Long Afternoon at the Edge of Little Sister Pond. As for life, I'm humbled. I'm without words sufficient to say how it has been hard as flint and soft as a spring pond. Both of these over and over and long pale afternoons besides, and so many mysteries beautiful as eggs in a nest, still unhatched, though warm and watched over by something I have never seen, a tree angel perhaps, or a ghost of holiness. Every day I walk out into the world to be dazzled, then to be reflective. It suffices, it's all comfort, along with human love, dog love, water love, little serpent love, sunburst love, or love for that smallest of birds flying among the scarlet flowers. There's hardly time to think about stopping and lying down at last to the long afterlife, to the tenderness yet to come, when time will brim over the singular pond and become forever, and we will pretend to melt away into the leaves. As for death, I can't wait to be the hummingbird. Can you? I want to say I'm so grateful to all of you. Thank you so much for being part of this community, for supporting us. A hundred episodes, that's amazing. Take care of yourself this week. Be kind to yourself. Be that representative of love. I love you so much, and so does your higher self. I will see you again soon. Bye.